Welcome to a brand new year and brand new episode of Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. My name is Omar Ford and I'm the managing editor of MDDI, an online publication owned by Informa that covers MedTech and diagnostics. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be speaking with Dr. LaShawn Acklog. He is the CEO of both PathMed and Lucid Diagnostics, two public companies. Yes, you heard me right. He's the CEO for both. Dr. Acklog and I have a candid conversation about what it takes to be a CEO of two companies at the same time during the pandemic. We also talk about Lucid Diagnostics and its work in esophageal cancer and detecting the deadly disease. But before I get into my conversation with Dr. Acklog, I want to talk a little bit about the Medical Design Excellence Awards, the MDEAs. Yes, since 1998, the MDEAs have recognized significant achievements in medical product design and engineering that improve the quality of healthcare delivery and accessibility. And what we've done is we've extended uh, the, the date that we're accepting entries. We're now accepting entries for the MDEAs through January 21st. So if you have a device that you want to submit or, or want to know more about it, you can find out more information at MDDIonline.com. That's MDDIonline.com. And now let's talk MedTech with Dr. Acklaw. Well, hello, Dr. Acklaw, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. Now, although this is your first time on the program, I know we've had the pleasure of speaking before in late uh, or mid-November, I believe. That's correct. Hi, hi, Omar. Good morning, and thank you for thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And yeah, we had a we had a nice conversation a few months ago, but a lot's happened since. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I, I think Omicron wasn't a thing when we talked uh, last time, and now the whole world has changed. Yes, we did not know what an Omicron was back then. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk to you about the awesome work that Lucid Diagnostics was doing and has been up to over the last year. Uh, but first, can you speak to the relationship between Lucid and PadMed? Sure, I'll, um, I'd be happy to do that. So um, we founded PadMed in 2014 and PadMed went public in 2016. And PadMed is a... <clears throat> is really a diversified medical technology company that has uh, that we're active in all three sectors of medical technology, devices, diagnostics, and digital health. And Lucid represented our, our foray into, into the diagnostic space. Lucid was founded in 2018 by PadMed, and PadMed's been a majority holder since then, although Lucid was private back then. And Lucid has advanced its products to the commercial stage and reached a point uh, last year where it was clear uh, we had a growth strategy and to impl implement that, we needed to raise growth capital. So we decided to um, to uh, take Lucid public and raise capital within Lucid as a as a uh, as its as its own separate uh, entity as a pure play diagnostic company. And uh, so that happened in October. Uh, PadMed remains the majority shareholder. PadMed's uh, stake in Lucid actually went up during the during the. Um, post-IPO from 73% to just under 76%. And PadMed and Lucid continue to have a very st a strong working relationship in that Lucid is managed by 
PadMed through management services agreement, um, although now Lucid has its own employees and payroll, uh, primarily in the commercial realm and the sales and marketing side. Okay. Now, I want to get into the technology for Lucid in a bit, but I have to ask, what's your role? Are, are you CEO of both or are you not? Yeah, I'm chair, I am chairman and CEO of both. Again, as I mentioned, they're both uh, they're fairly tightly linked and both companies work uh, closely together. PadMed provides um, the uh, sort of shared services for really all aspects other than the commercial activity, the sales and marketing side. And how has it been running two companies at the same time? Well, there's a, I think I, I think there's 100 plus hours in a week and it tends to use up a good chunk of that. I was a heart surgeon prior to uh, becoming a med tech executive. And so I'm quite used to, to, to working long hours. So, um, but it's been a real pleasure. Uh, the pandemic has had, uh, you know, an impact in some ways, you know, because uh, it's forced us to to use remote communications. You know, it has uh, streamlined that, some of that in effect. Um, but it's been great. I've, I've really, really enjoyed uh, working with both. It's a challenge. I have a great team. Uh, we do great things. You know, this is not, we're not just, as I tell my team, we're not just making and selling widgets. We're trying to save lives. And, and it's just great working with an amazing, passionate team in both companies. Sure, sure. I want to get down to that, though. I want to get down to the technology because I know in our, our previous conversation that the technology that Lucid was working on or had developed is so transformative. But I almost felt like it was um, healthcare's uh, best kept secret in, in a sense. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that, what, you're, what the company's doing? It's really a remarkable story. And when we first Remember when we when in 2018 we were not in the diagnostic space. We thought we were mostly going to focus on medical devices, but the paper that was published in in uh, 2018 by the this amazing uh, team of uh, scientists and clinicians and at Case Western just blew blew my mind because it it provided an opportunity to have a real impact on a deadly cancer and prevent deaths from that deadly cancer through early detection. And that's that's the holy grail in 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 in, um, in in many aspects of medicine. I think, as you know, we've we've done success. I just read an article this morning that the mortality rates for cancer as a whole have declined dramatically over the last thirty years uh, <clears throat> as a result of improved early detection. And we do we do a, a great job of that you know, uh, in uh, breast cancer with uh, routine mammography, in colon cancer with colonoscopy and stool-based tests. In cervical cancer with um, with routine pap testing, increasingly with lung cancer with uh, getting CT scans and and smokers. Um, so we know how to how to develop early detection programs. And what's what's been what's great about this technology is that this only comes along every now and then to have an opportunity to have such a big impact. So let's let's go through it real quick. Let me just briefly talk about the disease and the, how the technologies address that need. Esophageal esophageal cancer is a deadly cancer. It's the second most lethal cancer. It's effectively a death sentence. 80% of patients die within um, within five years of a diagnosis. Um, and the real tragedy is, is that they did not have to die. We understand this biology well, and we have nearly, we've had nearly all the tools in order to prevent those deaths uh, for many, many years. Uh, and the reason for that is we know that, we know what, um, the, the progression from esophageal precancer, really sort of the equivalent of what a polyp is for, for colon cancer, um, <clears throat> can be monitored, can be um, treated with a 
ablation procedure, um, a, non, a non-invasive endoscopic uh, procedure, and, and that precancer can be cured before it progresses to cancer. Uh, so all of those elements of what you need for an early detection program have been around for many, many years. The problem is we have not been able <clears throat> to get people tested, uh, people who are at risk. And the people who are at risk are patients with chronic heartburn reflux, also known as, uh, or, or more technically GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease. So those patients, particularly a subgroup of patients who have risk factors, um, 50 years old, men, white, um, obese, smoking, or family history, should be screened, and they can be screened with an endoscopy, but they're not getting screened. 19 out of 20 patients who should be screened are not getting screened. And now we have, with the two technologies of Lucid, EsoGuard and EsoCheck, for the first time, a commercially available test that allows us to perform widespread testing of of people who are at risk to detect esophageal precancer so it can be monitored and treated before it develops into cancer and gives us the opportunity to save lives. 16,000 people die um, uh, each year in this country of esophageal cancer, and we're determined to, to, uh, to fix that. What is the biggest hurdle with this, with, with the technologies um, being, and how can the company overcome that hurdle? You know, getting getting it adopted is a matter of um, uh, what all all med- medical technology companies go through, which is getting awareness uh, to the various constituents and getting them to understand the uh, both the underlying disease. There's a lot of uh, misconception. Uh, both amongst consumers and just regular lay people, as well as even physicians that are not specialists, that um, reflux is a benign condition. It's just something you treat. You take your Prilosec or Nexium, and as long as your symptoms go away, it's it, it's clear. So we have a important opportunity um, to educate folks that that's not the case. That we should be thinking of reflux as a condition that can lead to esophageal precancer and cancer. So that's that's step one. And step two is just getting visibility. And that's building a team that can go out and uh, tell this message and provide the opportunity for testing. So we're, we're doing that. So we're building uh, an infrastructure targeting three distinct entities, gastroenterologists who understand the disease and are the ones who will be treating uh, patients with esophageal precancer uh, when it gets diagnosed. Um, primary care physicians who need, again, to understand better this relationship, and, and but where most patients are, very few patients with reflux ever see a gastroenterologist, so we are targeting primary care physicians. And in order to facilitate that, we're building a network of lucid test centers. We have four cities up and running now in the southwest, and we're adding three more, and we'll be going nationwide this year. Um, and those test centers allow the primary care physician to very simply just order the test, just like they would order an, uh, a chest X-ray or a blood test. And we do we actually perform this five minute or less procedure by one of our nurse practitioners. So all of the infrastructure. And by the way, we're also actually going directly to patients now and have built and have partnered with a telemedicine company. So patients who become aware of this through through marketing efforts or just through um, word of mouth can actually get a telemedicine physician very quickly to determine whether they should get tested or not in order to test. So there's a lot of infrastructure that we're building to overcome this to you know, to provide the ability for patients to get the test and to provide education uh, to primary care physicians and patients. Well, 
I think what's amazing about this is when you think about GERD, when you think about acid reflux, it, it, it just seems to be so common. Uh, and, and when I say that, uh, it doesn't seem to be a big deal or it's not presented as a big deal uh, if one was to have it. And it seems as if, hey, we need to take this seriously and we need to to test to see if something else is going on or something else is developing. Yep, absolutely. That's that's our, our, our most important task here is to educate, is to explain to people that that taking um, Prilosec, Nexium, Tums, you know, you can go on and on, right? Because, you know, we get bombarded with ads about all the different ways we can treat the symptoms of yes. reflux. Um, but we have to tell, explain to people that just treating it blindly is not um, is not wise and that they should be, you know, understand their risk profile. And if they fit within the risk profile, they have the opportunity to get a very simple test to determine whether there's something more serious going on. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's overcoming that that mindset. And I, I'm seeing something that that's probably working against you. And that is I remember the commercials in the what 80s, 90s, tum ta tum tums. You yeah, know, the, right, exactly right. Or, it, or even earlier than that, I don't know if I'm aging you, where we where they did. Uh, I think it was in the 70s where I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a little bit before me, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I know. I, I knew it was before you, but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so think about that. 50 years we've been promoting um, treatments to to treat symptoms. But uh, without any understanding of the underlying problems that uh, processes that are going on beneath the scenes. Yeah, yeah, it, it it just puts us in a different mindset, and we underplay this. And and yes, th this is great awareness that you're bringing to it, and and the technology has the the chance to to really save lives, to save a lot of lives. Absolutely, I, I'll I'll just you know I think it's worth understanding to really put put an emphasis on this because of how important it is. If you know, um, this is not a difficult message to tell when you tell a patient, hey, you know. You know your reflux, even though you may, maybe you have it under control, could be a um, uh, a sign that you have a, a precancerous condition. They get it. People understand heartburn. They understand cancer. They don't want to get cancer, and it's not a difficult message to tell. And that's not a difficult message even to to the primary care physicians. And you know the the the, the anecdote. The, what drives us every day is we regularly um, the gastroenterologists who work with us, including the founder. The, the founder of the one of the founders of the company will let us know every time he has he's doing an endoscopy and he said I just today did an endoscopy this happens literally every day in this country I did an endoscopy on fill in the blank a 50 something year old typically man with with uh, three kids who just had regular reflux for 10 years thought he was treating his reflux with over-the-counter medications and over the last three months he's lost some weight he had some anemia so we did an endoscopy and he's got an advanced cancer and he's going to die, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that happens every day in this country. It happens, you know, 20,000 times a year. Uh, so that's, that's just a tragedy. Uh, uh, they're very, you know, I, I've, I've been a physician for, for 30 years. There are very few sort of really black and white concrete tragedies out there that I can think of in medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to switch over now and, and and talk about the work that PavMed is doing and, and for you to put on that other hat. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So so let's discuss some of PathMed's successes and and what you've been doing with it, with the company over the last few years. Yeah. Um, well, let me talk about two things. One is that one of the great things about about us entering in the space with Lucid is that Lucid's needs have allowed PathMed to grow and to really expand and develop into something that we're really quite proud of. PathMed's gone over the last three years to be a very sort of robust, um, strong sort of engine that has a, a lot of capacity and infrastructure around all aspects of advancing medical technologies, whether it's uh, R&D, regulatory, uh, early stage manufacturing, uh, clinical research, you know, all of that infrastructure, much of it was built for around Lucid and it's now in place to, to serve PavMed's vision, which is to do more Lucid, to create, to continue to create companies with value that take technologies and innovations and advance them uh, into the commercial realm. Uh, and so by creating this structure and creating the model that worked with Lucid, we've been able to do that. So I get solicited very regularly. At any point in time, I've got three or four things that I'm, I'm evaluating, you know, dozens a year um, of people who come to us who understand our somewhat unique model, who understand our track record of success and uh, and present their technology to us. So one example of that is Veris Health, uh, which is uh, an important um, event for us this last year, where a uh, very experienced and savvy physician innovator team who was developing a technology to monitor um, patients uh, during cancer care uh, to facilitate that and to decrease complications with, with, to, with really exciting technology. I can go on uh, in a second. Uh, they were evaluating the next step. They were saying, do I go raise VC money and so forth? And they'd heard about us. They'd heard about what we'd been able to do with Lucid. And they came to us and we consummated a, a transaction where we acquired Oncodisc, which is the name of the company, and created this uh, digital health company. It was, again, our foray into the third limb of medical technology, digital health. So, so you know, that's a great example of what uh, of what PadMed's trying to do. We're, we're, we have a model, we have this shared services infrastructure, and we're being presented with technologies that we think have you know, big opportunities ahead. And uh, we look forward to, 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 to continuing to do that. that, that that's amazing. Now, I, I, I've got to ask this question. Uh, how, <clears throat> how was it? Well, let me rephrase that because I understand. I'm, I'm going here with JP Morgan. I'm, I'm going to yeah. ask about that, but I understand you you didn't present there, but you still had virtual meetings with JP Morgan. Yes. How, how are you a CEO? How does a C? How are you a CEO of two companies meeting at JP Morgan doing the virtual thing? How do you switch hats, or, or how does that even yeah. to work? It's yeah. Not that. It's not that. It's not that. Um, hard, honestly. Uh, we had a very full day, pretty much nonstop for the last three days, and we've got some more, some more this this week. Um, the Needham conference was also uh, this week, and we had a very nice fireside chat with Mike Metz and the analyst on Tuesday. And it's not it's not really that hard because people understand the relationship between the two. We've tried to educate folks, and it's clear, particularly with any given investor um, or, or, or existing shareholder, whether their interest is in. PavMed or in or PavMed, you know, Lucid through PavMed and PavMed itself or Lucid directly. And 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 that's one of the reasons why we took Lucid public is we wanted, you know, people who invest in PavMed 
uh, invested us because they appreciate the unique opportunity to have multiple shots on goal, the the, the risk mitigation that comes with diversification, uh, the opportunity to expand the pipeline through aggressive, um, uh, um, uh, you know, deal flow. <clears throat> so that's 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 kind of the typical Padmet investor. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to provide investors who are just interested in a pure play diagnostic investment the opportunity to 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 seek that as well. And so it's it's actually not that hard. It's very clear uh, when we start a call uh, whether their primary focus is on Lucid or on the entire Padmet enterprise. And even people who are interested in Lucid will often will often drift into having conversations about Padmet. So um, it actually is fairly natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can I can only imagine. Yeah, you you've got so much interest in, in both. Um, I want to ask you now, what does the future look like for both companies? And can you tease or maybe talk about some things that you're excited about or you're working on in 2022? Right. So I think I think the 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 um, word for the upcoming for this year and the upcoming years is growth. Uh, we've really laid a foundation both at the PadMed level with this infrastructure that I discussed, at the Lucid level with all of the elements of our commercial plan in place, ready to scale, and we're we're very much focused on growth. So what excites me about 2022 for Lucid, it's driving procedure volume. It's getting out there, expanding our test centers, taking them nationally, um, uh, really seeing how direct-to-consumer targeting can 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 educate patients and drive patients for testing. So so that's that's a lot of kind of bread and butter blocking and tackling whatever the metaphor uh, in the trenches is, but that's the 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 goal for Lucid this year is just growth. And um, on the PadMed side, it's the opportunity to to bring in new technologies into the space. And there's one good example of that uh, where we have a technology NextFlow that we've been working on for many years. It's coming along. It's really a, a, a disruptive technology that we think will change the way the majority of in the million infusions that are performed in hospitals and other facilities every day will be handled. Um, you know, we think it'll actually have an opportunity for us to obsolete, obsolete make, make obsolete um, electronic infusion pumps for the majority of those million a year. We're going to launch that this year. We're, we're, we're gearing up towards an FDA submission and a, and a launch of that technology, uh, either within PavMed or in a standalone subsidiary um, this year. Uh, we have another technology that actually intersects with eSecure that sorry with uh, Lucid that's at the PadMed level called eSecure where we have we believe a better way to perform that curative ablation that I mentioned earlier um, uh, during an endoscopy that that project is coming along really well and we've shown we've done head-to-head comparisons against the Medtronic device which is the current standard and uh, looks very promising PadMed is developing it Lucid once that becomes commercial will be marketing it uh, so there's a lot of activity going on beyond this the the the, the you know, the, the commercial products that we already have out there. Uh, Dr. Aglog, wanted to just ask you one final question, one final uh, question, and that is, what advice would you give to uh, a CEO during the pandemic? And, and you have the distinct, um, you know, recognition of being a CEO of two companies, but what would you tell any CEO uh, during the pandemic of a med tech or, or, or a healthcare company now? Yeah, you know, I think um, I'm not sure I have like, you know, sort of breakthrough wisdom on that, but I'll give you some of my thoughts. We've been fortunate because our 
our um, activities, at least particularly with Lucid, are focused heavily on the outpatient setting in the office practice setting. And for the most part, uh, since the pre-vaccine era where things are very difficult, uh, physician offices have figured it out. They've got their PPP protocols in place and you can go in and see them and these procedures are being performed in the outpatient setting. Those The hospitals are a different story because every time we have a surge, hospitals fill up and elective cases get, 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 get handled. I think as it relates to the actual operations of the company as opposed to sort of the client-facing side of it, I would encourage anybody, uh, everybody to sort of embrace the what we've learned in terms of how we can operate um, our businesses with the challenges of COVID. And what I'm talking about is really a lot of this remote activities, um, uh, you know, Zoom and Teams. And, and we, we had an advantage in that we were somewhat we were somewhat spread out even prior to COVID. We've grown fourfold in, in our in our headcount since COVID. Uh, but, um, you know, I think I think there's a lot of efficiencies and a lot of lessons to be learned about how we're able to manage um, uh, managing our team. I think one thing to be wary of is that when your team is spread out and everyone's working remotely and you're not seeing people every day is that, you know, you have to come up with alternative ways to make sure, you know, the work is getting done and people are not out on an island and they feel supported and they feel sort of integrated with the system. You know, we, we do try to pay attention to that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, those are great tips. Those are great tips. Well, uh, Dr. Acklog, our time is running short, but I want to thank you for coming on to Let's Talk MedTech. Hey, Omar, I really, really enjoyed talking to you as always. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to, to talking again soon. All right. Take care. Appreciate it.